Welcome to episode 65. We left last week driving on my way, returning to Washington, D.C., and I realized that I didn't share what my new assignment was. In fairness, I was a little stressed to present last week's episode in the right way, and I hope that I was successful. With that, let's close out Malmstrom Air Force Base, and I did want to include Jay Thomas's interview last week and felt it was more appropriate to do it this week. So let's hear from him now. Jay, thank you again for joining me on the podcast. I want to just end with this really quick question. So Malmstrom was your second assignment as a lieutenant, and you had a whole career of amazing uh, jobs and positions, including command, and, and retired uh, res- uh, respectfully as, as a lieutenant colonel, and now still in public service. I want to ask you, what was it from Malmstrom, from your looking back, that was maybe one or two of the most memorable events that you want to share with my audience? So I would say one of the one of the things that served me well was uh, again we talked about the the mortuary um, experiences that we had of, of service to those families and then honoring those um, who had passed on. Um, that was certainly one of the things that made a, a strong impression to me about the impact of personal connections and taking care of people um, in almost, you know, one of the extreme ways of, of how to take care of people. So I, I think that's one of the experiences that always grounded me on never forget that your that your job is to take care of people uh, wherever wherever they are. And wherever they may be. So having to uh, take care of people is something that I did. And then using that even as a leader throughout my career is to impress that upon the ones that I was mentoring um, that were along with me once I became a a squadron commander and then taking care of captains and lieutenants and uh, in the squadron too. Now, I appreciate that. And I think all of us take everything from every assignment. I know that I certainly did, even as an airman all the way through my entire career about all the things that we take and use throughout the rest of our career. And I want to thank you. You know, it's been almost now soon, 25 years. I value our friendship and all the things that you did for not only the squadron, but more personally, the things that you and Heather uh, did for me. And, and now your family has grown and you're, you're still such a great public servant with JROTC. And I really thank you for all of that service to, to the communities and this country. Uh, and most of all, uh, thank you for what you've done for me. Absolutely. And it's been, uh, it's been a real pleasure to catch up. Um, I appreciate all the mentoring that you've done along the years. You are, you're one of the, the few mentors I would say that, uh, I've had consistent communication with throughout the year. And uh, I really think that speaks a lot to um, to not only who you are as a mentor and an individual, but um, I think it also speaks to the personal connection that we were able to make at Malmstrom. So that closes out my time as commander at the 341st Services Squadron at Malmstrom Air Force Base. And I again thank Jay Thomas for joining me on the podcast. One thing you might have noticed in the program is that there is a presentation of awards, which is unlike all the scenarios I presented earlier. After command, you presented the award for that assignment at the change of command. My sense is it was born out of the fact that many people retire after certain periods of command, and so the tradition probably stuck. And that's when I received my fifth Meritorious Service Medal. 
As you know, there was a lot going on those last few months at Malmstrom Air Force Base. It was busy, and I was working with the assignments team and the air staff for my next assignment. Going back to the air staff was midway through the process, and I learned of a very unique opportunity. In theory, since I was going back to the air staff, I would be going back as a lieutenant colonel versus a captain five years before, and I probably needed more challenge. The opportunity that opened up was at the National Defense University, or NDU, at Fort McNair in Washington, D.C. The assignment was certainly allowed me to use my education to the benefit of the Department of Defense and a good building block from my assignment at the University of Texas at Austin. Before I get into the new assignment, as I have in the past, I want to give you a bit of the lay of the land, so please bear with me. From earlier episodes, you already have a little sense about NDU, if you recall. One of the other biggest things that was in my mind was how the timing of this assignment was coming about at this stage of my career. Being promoted to lieutenant colonel would just be a few months into my arrival, and so there was talk about being frocked ahead of arrival. Now that's a very unusual situation, and the decision was that the position wasn't critical enough to do so. It would have been advantageous, as you'll quickly see, because initially, of course, I was a major, and I was going into a billet that would have been normally filled by a full colonel. Before I get to NDU, the first priority was deciding where I was going to settle down. Instead of working in Northern Virginia, yes, that's where the Pentagon is, NDU is in Southwest D.C. I like living close to work, as you know, and yet I didn't want to live in D.C. for a couple of reasons, and the most prevalent was that I really liked North Virginia, plus the taxes are much lower as well. I'm also pretty aware that I would likely retire from this assignment. By now, if you're counting, I have 22 total years of service, and at the minimum would have close to 25 years after serving the minimum time and grade, to retire as a lieutenant colonel. I find a realtor, and also, fairly quickly, I find a condominium in the Virginia Square area of Arlington. This was under 8 miles to work, and despite the short distance, I knew that the drive could be more challenging and more on the less-than-fun D.C. commuting later. The condo was relatively new at this time when I bought it, and it was in my price range, so those things all have to mesh, as you know. I was only the second owner of the condo. It was a two-bedroom unit on the fourth floor of a nine-story building. There were some really nice advantages of the location. The condo was located between two major roads that go through this part of Arlington, and physically located on what could be described as a side street so getting in and out was easy. It was just a few blocks from Boston, where there was a small mall, and it was close enough to Fort Myer, where there was a large commissary for me to buy food. Actually, when I first moved to D.C. this time around, Fort McNair had a very small commissary. When I say small, the carts were only allowed one way down aisles, and even so, it was packed. It closed very shortly after I moved to the D.C. area, and so Fort Myer did become the main place to do my shopping. It was also close to Henderson Hall, which is adjacent to Fort Myer. It's a Marine post, and they have a Marine Corps exchange, which is, in my view, and for my military friends, 
know that it's better than Air Force exchanges in terms of the kinds of things that they sell. For everyone else, the term exchange is the same thing as you would find in a grocery store, I'm sorry, in a department store off the base. It was also good timing in as much as the condo was already empty and I could move in right away. While I was pretty happy with the location, there were a couple of factors that I quickly learned that I preferred. First, I knew I wanted to live on a higher floor and even a bit closer to work in the Clarendon area of Arlington. The difference between Virginia Square and Clarendon, despite only being one mile away, was that Clarendon had a far better urban environment with stores, restaurants, and service things like dry cleaners, barbers, etc., all within walking distance. Now, today, Virginia Square is far more built up than it was when I moved into the D.C. area. The metro stop was also in the heart of Clarendon, although it was only a couple of blocks to the Virginia Square metro from my new condo. So I told my realtor just to keep an eye out if something else came up. As luck would have it, she was well-connected, and in short order, we learned of a newly planned building going up right in the middle of Clarendon. You'll hear more about this adventure, because as all things seemed to go with me, there were a couple of hiccups and a couple of innovative events along the way. But I am getting ahead of myself. Back to the background of NDU. It's located, as I said, in southwest D.C. on Fort McNair. Do you remember Fort McNair from episodes when I was at Langley and going to William & Mary? Yes, this is the institution that I actually wrote my dissertation on. There was that hiccup with the approval and then the pulling of that approval and my persistence to gain approval to conduct the research at the National War College. You may also recall that the story of the location being famous for where Mary Surratt and the Lincoln conspirators were hanged and where John Wilkes Booth was originally buried under one of the buildings. Fort McNair is at the point of where the Potomac and the Anacostia Rivers come together as you travel up the Potomac River into Washington, D.C. If you fly into Washington, into Ronald Reagan Airport, and you come in on one of the sides then another, you fly right over NDU, and you can see the National War College on the point and they, where the two rivers come together. And it's really a rather remarkable scene. There's a period fence around the post because of the wartime mission, and it's rather high. And it's nice that it's there, because at this time in the history of Washington, D.C., traveling just two blocks east from where the post is was, let's just say it was less than a safe area. All that has changed now with the construction of the Washington Nationals baseball stadium and the complete revitalization of Southwest and Southeast D.C. The entrance to the base was just off Main Avenue and fairly easy to get to from Northern Virginia. You just cross over the 14th Street Bridge. By any measure, it is the premier joint service senior level military professional education or PME school at either the National War College or the Industrial College of the Armed Forces, known as ICAF. The National War College mission is to educate joint interagency and international leaders and warfighters by conducting a senior level course of study in national security strategy. 
The ICAF mission was more focused on the logistical aspect of senior leaders by preparing military officers and civilians for success in developing national security strategy and in evaluating, marshalling, and managing resources in the execution of that strategy. In addition, NDU had several additional colleges and centers. The most noted at the time was the Information Resources Management College, or ERMC, that focused on preparing joint warfighters and leaders in the cyber workface, in the cyber domain, and information management environment. I note today our ERMC and ICAF have been renamed, as well as some of the other institutions part of NDU. One of the most other significant schools under the NDU umbrella was the Joint Forces Staff College that was located in Norfolk, Virginia. The target student body were primarily majors or naval lieutenant commanders. JFSC, as it was known, was significant because it was created during the time that Representative Skelton was the chairman of the PME Committee in the House of Representatives, and he often asked about the status. So by this time, the National War College and ICAF were accredited toward master's degrees. You'll hear that during my tenure at NDU, there was both a robust growing of the mission of the institution and the addition of several new centers and the planning for a major construction program transforming the main administrative building of the university. For my non-military listeners, each military service has their own senior PME institution, with attendees generally being lieutenant colonels and some colonels. These are creatively named the National War College, the Air War College, the Army War College, and the Marine Corps War College. The uniqueness of NDU is that it was the joint PME institution. By joint, it serves people from across all of the military services. To provide enough opportunity for all senior officers to earn their senior PME requirement, which is generally required for promotion beyond lieutenant colonel, the senior service PME schools offer both residence and non-resident programs as selection for senior PME is highly competitive, and to note that NDU does not offer a non-resident program. The leader of NDU is a university president who has the military rank of a three-star general or a Navy vice admiral, with the senior vice president an ambassador from the Department of State. This configuration is by law because there is a close relationship between the Department of Defense and the Department of State in the education of its most senior leaders in national strategy. I'd note that in addition the percentage of students that are required to be from the Department of State is also entrenched in law, and there are students from other interagency organizations as well as a robust international student body. The president of NDU reports directly to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and as you might imagine, there are benefits to this as well as challenges. And for me, in my direct chain of command, I worked for a senior executive service civilian who worked for the president of the university, who worked for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who worked for the president of the United States. So even though there are lots of people in between should I have ever gone up the chain of command, it was still pretty cool. 
the rest of the administrative role of the institution is aligned similar to any typical graduate school, and the colleges have a blend between what you see in graduate schools and a military organization. The vice president for academic affairs or provost of the institution would be my boss, Dr. Jim Cagle. Jim held a Princeton Ph.D. and was a retired Air Force colonel. When I first met him, his name had some amount of familiarity, and I couldn't figure out what it was. By chance, there is an interesting fact that a paper that Jim wrote about the history of NDU that was in the library when I was doing my research, I referenced that document several times in my dissertation. Of course, I never thought I'd be at NDU when I chose my research topic on whether the National War College should be accredited way back in 1992. NDU was accredited, as I mentioned earlier, to award master's degrees at both institutions by the Regional Accreditation Association, or Middle States, as is the process for all graduate schools to award degrees. And this happened in 2018. The wheels of higher education often do turn slowly. The primary architect of the accreditation was Dr. Susan Martin Studs. Susan held a doctoral degree in higher education from the University of Maryland. And unlike any of the senior leaders at the time, she was the forebearer of moving NDU's education program to ensure it had both the academic rigor and the standards across the entire organization to be accredited as a graduate school. Susan was the Assistant Vice President for Academic Affairs. So you can see that the timeliness of my arrival to NDU was unique inasmuch as it was just three years into the transformation of where it was in, 20, I'm sorry, in 2002. Since my dissertation was on the accreditation process, and specifically the National War College, I already had an understanding in part of NDU's process that they went through, although in hindsight on a relatively cursory basis. My position was newly created to meet requirements for accreditation. Being a major and working with nearly everyone who was of higher rank, it was decided that I would be allowed to wear civilian attire, and in short order, my title was changed to Assistant Vice President for Academic Affairs and Director of Institutional Research because of the growing need to support the university in academic affairs. So that's probably enough, well, maybe even too much foundation at this point. My line number comes up and early into my first year at NDU, I pin on Lieutenant Colonel. It was a pretty big deal. Living in the D.C. area, I had relatives from both sides of the family that were close proximity, and so this was the first promotion where I actually had family members present. My aunt and uncle, with my uncle being my dad's brother and served in the army, attended, as did my cousin Jim. My other aunt and uncle who lived in the local area was on my mom's side, and my uncle served as a war hero in the United States Marine Corps. I'm posting photos of this event in episode photos. My mentor and former boss, Mr. Myers, the director of services, attended, and it was Mr. Myers and my aunt who pinned on my rank, and the event was hosted by NDU President Admiral Gaffney. We decided to hold the event and a reception in the University Library Archives area 
and remembering that's where I spent a lot of time working on my dissertation nine years earlier. This was a really great job because unlike any of my other assignments, there was almost no so-called overtime. I worked my regular duty hours and only think of a handful, if that, of times that I was required to stay late. My cousin still lived in the D.C. area, and so we started to hang out socially. And while don't ask, don't tell was still the law of the land, by the time, I felt far more comfortable with venturing out and what I felt was with appropriate discretion. Of course, that policy was in place until the signing of the National Defense Authorization Act in 2010. The AIDS crisis had peaked by this time, and while it was still a very challenging disease, more was known, and personal responsibility in prevention was far more robust. I was still pretty concerned about being very careful. It wasn't very long that I met friends and we started going out in the local area doing a lot of adventurous things, and I'm going to share those stories with you as we go along. So that's the basic foundation for this assignment. This week, I'll be out of town for just a couple of days, and so next week's episode will be a little different, and I think you might enjoy a tangent. Then we'll continue through this assignment and this part of my life. There are a lot of things that happen in the next couple of years, and I think the best way to describe them is that my life gets a lot more diverse from just a focus on my military responsibilities because of the type of assignment that I'm in that is very different from any of the others that I had. With that, have a great week. And remember, hope is a good thing, perhaps the best of things.